Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. And we are in for a jam-packed show yet again, because that's what I do with my days. I make sure I fill it up with as much stuff as possible for you. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams. And joined by the host of the final buzzer, a Mr. John Filkowski. Rangers needed that one last night. And uh, looks like New York hockey has gotten itself on uh, track, if you will. Well, speaking about which, the other team that seems to have gotten itself on track, Mr. Anthony LaRocco's New York Islanders. Yeah, Mark, uh, I think Trot said it best when he was on a radio show the other day when asked about the Islanders. He said, I think they got their swagger back. And then some so far. There's a lot of, there's a lot of swagger both going away and coming back. More on that in a little bit. We're going to talk about the New York Rangers getting their, their shit in order, if you will. And, um, of course, our two panelists right over here. Um, I'm pointing in the wrong directions because it's all mirrored. And they're going to debate who is the Stanley Cup-worthy team and why one is better than the other one. And we are going to begin with those said New York Islanders. Just a reminder to everybody, tomorrow night I'm going to be in Boss Croker's. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing a watch along and uh, hopefully that'll be a great time. Lots of prizes. I got an autographed Dennis Potvin jersey to give away. But like I said, we are starting with the New York Islanders. And Anthony, here's a little uh, montage of their offense the last week. And hopefully all that overlaying won't get us the copyright strike. So, uh, Anthony, we said closing last week that the Islanders, it was going to be a statement week. You had the Rangers, Carolina, and Colorado on a back-to-back. The Islanders are 3-0 in those games, and then they tacked on the fourth last night versus the Blackhawks. So, uh, so I mean, they, they, they beat down some opponents. And now 36 goals for after having the offensively starved team to now your seventh tied for seventh in the league and goals for goals against are the Islanders a team to fear right now? Um, I mean, you said it best. I kind of, you know, looked at the prospect of them being two and seven after that three game stretch and, you know, beating the Rangers, the hurricanes and the avalanche um, <clears throat> is a really good accomplishment. Those are really three fantastic teams. And, you know, starting with the Rangers, they shut them out. Ely Sorokin led the way there. Um, prior to our show, we talked about guys like Kyle Palmieri and Josh Bailey needing to step up. Uh, Palmieri got two goals that game. Bailey got the other one. Um, then they go into Carolina, which honestly I think is the most impressive out of the wins. I mean, Carolina's a hard team to play in Carolina. They always steal the Islanders' lunch money when they play there. Um, mm-hmm. The Islanders beat them down 6-2. Um, Bailey scored again. You know, that that game to me was was really, really impressive. Um, from start to finish, probably the most complete game they've played all season. And then the Avalanche game, you know, they go down 3 nothing. You think they at that point they can just kind of, you know, give up and, you know, call it a day. But they battled back. Um, the Dobson goal obviously was a big help getting them on the board. And then Parise early in the third got that jam that one home. And then the two quick strikes with Barzell to Mayfield on a beautiful pass. Uh, and then a really subtle, great play that by Lee that kind of went underlooked that set up that two-on-one to Bo 
and, and Bo finished it. Um, so that that was a that was a crazy game. Uh, Phil and I, our friend uh, Ryan Dermody was at the game, and he said that was you know the loudest UBS has been. Because if you think about it, last year there wasn't really much cheer about there. Um, in that game, he said it was electric on those tying and winning goals. Um, and, you know, and then they go into Chicago and they take care of business, which is what, you know, cliche. We always say a sign of a good team is you win the games that you're supposed to. Uh, and they went in there and they handled Chicago. And look, it could have gone totally different, guys. You know, they, they had to kill off a five minute major at the very beginning of that game. Um, you know, that so that could have gone south quick. But their penalty kill, which we, is, which we know has been really, really good this season, gave Chicago nothing. And there was a lapse. Sorokin was there to shut the door. So, um, you know. Altogether, you know, you have you have a goalie in Ilya Sorokin who's who's playing outstanding, uh, and then their you know their best players are being their best players. Brock Nelson, eleven points in ten games. Uh, Lee and Barzell are at a point per game with ten points in ten games. Um, Anthony Bovillier, thankfully, he's starting to heat up and come along. You know, he's been a streaky player in his career thus far. Uh, it seems like you know he's getting going, so that's a good sign. Um, and yeah, overall, things are just going well right now. So. Uh, but the Metro, as you can see, if you look at the standings, there's really only one bad team right now, uh, and that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, you know, everyone's right there in the in the thick of things. Um, so, but, yeah, I'm encouraged what I've seen. Um, like, again, you know, Lambert's system, maybe it was going to take some time to feel it out, but uh, if you're an Islander fan, you got to be feeling good right now. And even if you're on the team, there's a good feeling in that room. And now you're off to St. Louis tomorrow, which is a team that's, what, lost, like, a cup a bunch in a row and they're they're really a struggling lot. right now. Yeah, I think Free they I think they have six points too. So they're 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 struggling. So but St. Louis could be a tough place to play. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, everything is right in uh, the land of the Islanders right now for sure. Well I mean you talk about those two quick strikes and sometimes uh, a good team will jump on you quickly either after you scored on us we'll get it right back which the Islanders did in Carolina, or they'll, they'll hit you with two where they tie the game and then get the momentum right away with, uh, with the, the tying and game winning goals Saturday night. Those are the real eye openers. Philk, your thoughts on this week for the Islanders. I, I like the way that they played. Um, I will say that they caught, Carolina and Colorado at the right times. If you look at Colorado and what they've done lately, Colorado is without Gabriel Landeskog. Um, they were without Valerian Nachushkin against the Islanders. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but Colorado this year is actually a or actually they're one game under 500, and Colorado has not looked great. I mean, they beat down Chicago on opening night. They lost to Calgary the next night, and they got they got killed in that game. And then uh, they beat Minnesota. They they beat Vegas by a goal, and they beat the Rangers in a, in a shootout. But they lost to New Jersey. They got shut out by them, which is just an absolute shocker. They lost to Seattle. They lost to Winnipeg in overtime. Um, Colorado has not looked like the Colorado Avalanche that we know this year. And it's not really to take anything away from the Islanders, but – can any three, any of the three of us take a look at that team and say that they're the same team from last year? No. All right, Anthony, no. you wouldn't say that either, right? <laughs> not right now, but no. But again, we're not taking not. anything away from the Islanders. We're not, we're not taking away anything from the Islanders. Uh, Carolina, and, and they're another team. When they came in 
and they played the Islanders. That was their third loss in four games. And Carolina has beaten up on the bad teams. So um, I wonder how Carolina is going to do against the rest of the NHL. Maybe Carolina isn't the team that we thought they were going to be this year because they have not looked good against the good teams. They didn't look good against the Islanders. Um, they, they barely beat Vancouver. They, they beat down Seattle and they barely beat San Jose. They beat down Columbus, but they lost to Edmonton. They lost to Calgary. Um, and they barely scraped by against Philadelphia and Washington. So, I mean, the Rangers, I mean, in terms of them right now, I'll just transition into them as I go here. Well, but, in, in a moment, yeah. So, I mean, uh, for, uh, oh, or, you know, I guess I'll stick with the Islanders then for now. But, I mean, I, I think the Islanders are back. I don't know if they're back to 2020 and 2021 Islanders. Um, there are some positives. You got Matt Barzell, who has 10 points, but he doesn't have a goal yet, which is kind of weird um, in a way, sort of, I guess. But, I mean, he's not known for his goal scoring, but the fact that he doesn't have a single goal yet is kind of odd. Uh, Brock Nelson's come on hot as of late. He's, he's looked good. Anders Lee is probably playing the best hockey he's ever played in his career. And Oliver Wallstrom started off, about a point per game through the first, what, five games? He had, he was a point per game. He's cooled down a little bit since, but Anthony Beauvillier seemed to uh, kind of step on. So, you know, Islanders, they look good right now. But um, let, let's see what their schedule brings for them going forward. I know they have a St. Louis – they match up with St. Louis, and they're in a free fall right now, St. Louis. So the Islanders really have to take advantage of that St. Louis team and, and really – because if you saw the the, the, the presser today from uh, Doug Armstrong, Doug Armstrong is not doing anything with Craig Berube. He put this on the players. So now the players are going to have to come out and really, really step up in this next game against the Islanders because they got called out by the general manager. So, you, you know, we're going to see what happens there with them. Yeah, and but again, going back to the Islanders, though, it's been impressive the way they were able to answer everything. And so far, the offense has been there for them. And that was the number one problem. We talked about it last week, Anthony. This team could have been two and seven going into the Ranger game. Instead, they're now at six and four. And six now they're four, looking yeah. a lot better. Uh, final thoughts on the Islanders right now. Like I said, um, uh, right now, I, I like what I've seen. I like how they're playing. Uh, hopefully, they continue scoring goals and playing with this uh, more upbeat system because you clearly tell Lambert's made that adjustments and given them more freedom. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, it'd be nice for Barzell to, to score a goal. But as long as he keeps putting up points, that'll be a good thing for the Islanders. Uh, you know, Brock Nelson is really going. Um, you know, they just need to get, you know, Bailey and Palmieri going a little bit more and really firing in all cylinders. But, um, you know, right now, I think I think they're in a good spot. But as I mentioned, the, the Metro is a strong division. You know, you, you could lose two games in a row and all of a sudden lose a lot of ground. So um, hopefully they could just, you know, keep piling up the wins and points and, you know, because they count the same as they do in March. But right now, I I, I do like what I see a lot. Um, strong defense, good goaltending, and scoring goals. You know, what better could you ask for? Just to touch on one more thing, Anthony, because I always love that saying. Uh, the points now matter because they count as much as the points in March. Yes, you don't want to ever waste them, but you could always look ahead and, and try to plan. ahead. I always argue that with my brother whenever we talk about, especially uh, April baseball games. So... 
Uh, but Islander fans, what's your thoughts on the team right now? Throw it down in the comments. How excited are you feeling a four game winning streak after, eh, you know, over Florida and it wasn't looking so good for the offense. Now, not much, much, much better. Not the same case as it was before to the Rangers after their three, nothing loss, the shutout versus the Islanders. We had this that we posted on our Instagram. Well then get your shit together, get it all together and put it in a backpack, all your shit. So it's together. And if you got to take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Take it to the shit store and sell it. Or, or put it in a shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just got to get it together. Get your shit together. So, Phil, I'm going to ask you the question leading up to this in a second. But I also have to remind everybody, after most Ranger games, watch the final buzzer with John Falkowski down there. And look for our 60-second game reviews of both the Islanders and the New York Rangers whenever I can do both. I only did the Rangers last night. I apologize, Islander fans. I'm not trying to be uh, too partial on this. And also, don't forget the Big Apple Hockey Trucker hats. But after that game, Phil, the Rangers won three straight after getting shut out by the Islanders. They're now 3-5-2. and two. <clears throat> You look at the stats on Artemi Panarin. Have the Rangers righted the ship. I'm not totally ready to say that yet. Um, I I like what I've seen these last few games. I didn't like the defense against Dallas. I thought they were better defensively against Arizona, but Arizona beating them 3-2 is still not good enough. Um, you need to be better against them. Uh, the two goals that Arizona scored were defensive lapses, complete defensive lapses. Um, they dominated Philly last night, and Philly got I, – I, I counted a total of about five scoring chances, but two of them were really of any any real high danger consequence. Um, they should have won that game by four or five to nothing. They just couldn't really convert, and then they hit a few posts. In, uh, they hit four posts in that game, I believe it was. So Yeah, uh, four posts. So, yeah, they they should have won that game by a lot more. I think that might have been their best effort this year against Philly, and Philly's playing tough. I, I, even though I don't really believe in them, they're playing tough. Um, I, I, I need more from this team on a night-to-night basis consistently. Uh, I, I, need, I need more effort from their star players. Uh, I need more production from the bottom six. I need the fourth line to not be a black hole because that's basically what they are offensively. They, they just can't sustain any type of offensive zone pressure. Um, I, I need Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren to, to not like just fall asleep at the wheel in their own zone. Keandre Miller has been a revelation. He's been their most consistent defenseman at both ends of the ice. I would say, even though the offensive numbers aren't there like Adam Fox's are, but Keandre Miller has been the guy that's really generated a ton of chances on offense. And he's been rock solid on defense. Even when he gets beat, his skating is so good that he's been able to recover and shut uh, shut players down and, and take them out of the play. Um, Jacob Truba needs to be better because he's not playing close to uh, an $8 million AAV, and I know he'll probably never be worth that with this team, but he's got to play a hell of a lot better than what he's played. Uh, Braden Schneider uh, seems like he's going through a little bit of a sophomore slump at times, and then at other times he makes plays where you're like, wow, like he's he looks like he's getting better. Zach Jones, you know, he's going through some ups and downs. He's still technically a rookie. So um, I, I like what I've seen from Igor Shosturkin, even though 
Um, he hasn't really been the Igor Shesterkin of last year yet. I, I still think he's going to get better. And the big thing for me with the Rangers is that they have such terrible puck luck and, and shooting luck right now. Their, their expected goals for is through the roof, if you look at the analytics. It's through the roof. They should be scoring so many more goals than what they have. They've either hit posts, they've been robbed. Whatever the case may be, it's just not converting. When that averages out, and it will, they're going to score in bunches. And this power play, that's another thing that needs to change. Something needs to change on that because they're forcing that cross-seam pass to Zibanejad way too much, and it's becoming predictable. And that needs to change. So um, I like the prospects of what I see with this team, but I'm not ready to say that they've completely righted the ship. I want to see better efforts and I want to see them against better teams and I want to see them consistently. Yeah. Consistency is going to be their thing. And by the way, also uh, if this was February, we're probably going to have the Valentine's thing of falling in and out of love with something that's probably going to be our Valentine's day sketch. Uh, They are really in love with that because the advantage had one timer and, Sometimes you just got to like it. You just can't love it. There's other options on that power play. Anthony, what do you like of what you've seen from the New York Rangers? Or um, or where do you want to caution us? Well, really, my 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 biggest gripe with the Rangers is, first, one, um, they don't – they clearly don't trust Yaroslav Halak, which we talked about. Um, you know, when you, when you have your goalie play a second half of a back-to-back against Arizona – which is a really putrid team, and you don't even start your backup on it. Um, just goes to show that you, like, you really, really, really don't trust Halak. So he plays two in a row, and then he starts again against Philly. Um, you know, if you're not going to Boston, yeah, mm-hmm. it, he is. If you if you're not going to play your goalie on a back to back, and then you know you're and you keep going with your starting netminder, when are you ever going to play him at that point if it's not on a back to back? So. Um, Either one, they need to for Halak to really raise his game, or two, if they really don't trust him, have to try to look for another option. Because the thing is with Igor, and Filks mentioned before, um, he's coming from over in the KHL where he's not really used to playing a, a huge workload. And, you know, we've seen Igor over the last couple of years, he'll have his, you know, once a year running where he tweaks something and he's out for a week or two weeks. And my fear is if you really ride him early, this early on, you could either burn him out which could maybe lead to fatigue or an injury. So I think they really need to find a backup goalie who they're going to really trust to give Igor a break because you want him fresh down the stretch when it's really going to matter. Um, the second point is I think they need some more more depth scoring up and down their lineup. Um, and, you know, Phil mentioned the bottom six, but black hole, like VC has one point in 10 games. I, I know he's not a scorer at this point in his career, but come on, one point in 10 games – Ryan Carpenter has one point. Sammy Blay has two points. Um, you know, and even even if you look at like Kako, I know if you watch him, he looks he looks more involved. He's doing good things, but at the end of the day, you have to start saying, okay, that's all good. But eventually, you need to see the results. He has two two or three points on the year um, in eleven games. Uh, Lafreniere has two goals in eleven games. So I know, like some of the, especially in the case of those two. They're looking more involved and, you know, they look better. But again, at some point you, you need the results and they need to start producing because if you look at their lineup, Zibanejad, he's producing. Panarin's producing. Trocek's got nine points in 11 games. So he, he's playing pretty well too. You know, Chris Kreider's got eight. But then after that, there's a drop-off. Um, they're going to need more support of those top guys at some point. 
Someone's got to step up. I'm sure Heedle coming Heedle coming back will maybe help. Hopefully, um, Kraft More on that seems later. To, he seems to just be injury prone. Um, I, I don't know what his deal is, what he's going to amount to, but um, they need they need someone to really rise up and start supporting these top guys in a big way. Um, other than that, I mean, they got the wins right. They beat Dallas. They beat Arizona. Um, Philly, even though it wasn't pretty at all times, you know, at one point they were down to Arizona. They still got the points, so, that, so that's the good part. Um, but I, but that's why I, I do agree with Phil. Where I'm not going to say they totally righted the ship because there, there are issues, but at least they're getting points. But there's still stuff they need to correct. Uh, it's a little bit better than last year where they did a lot of this, but behind a little bit of smoke and mirrors, uh, a little bit of Igor saving the day. Igor isn't exactly saving the day right now, although he definitely did last night. I mean that that game was. That game was so heavily slanted to the Rangers, and then they had two glorious scoring chances in the final four minutes. Uh, and one of them, I said, because Phil and I were at the game, I said, thank God he stopped that because it was Kevin Hayes shooting it, and on the doorstep was Tony D'Angelo, and neither Ranger fan wants to see that. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those things that it, it's if you stumble, you got to get back up. And last week, I almost did a post mortem of this because I wasn't liking what I was seeing. At least, um, at least they're better. But Phil, get right about that. That to to look at one goal, I believe it's the last goal scored in the Rangers. Nick Bustad scoring that goal that Ryan Ryan Linger basically left him a drop pass. I mean, that's that cannot happen. Yeah, and I, I actually tweeted about that because it, 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 as a defenseman myself, like, you can't play that puck trying to whiff at that. Like, you're taught in, in like, peewee to not do that. You're supposed mm-hmm. to knock it down, like, kind of like a, a shortstop or an infielder would knock down a ground ball. And, and so this way, you know, even if you get checked at that point and the puck's there, you know, someone can help support and, and get back to try to stop whatever odd man rush or breakaway that would have happened otherwise. So like these guys are, they're making elementary level mistakes that you cannot be making. And it's, it's inexcusable. The, the lapses in judgment and, 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 and the, the laziness and sloppiness in some of these places, just it's, it has to stop in, in order for them to be better. So, I mean, I'm, I, I still saw it in the Arizona game. I really didn't see it much in the Philadelphia game. They had a lot of the possession. But, you know, let, let's hope that they continue that because their, their schedule going forward is, is pretty, uh, it's pretty tough these next, I would say, five games. So you got Boston, who's mm-hmm. probably – right now I think they're the best team in the league. If, if you ask me that who's playing the best hockey right now, it's Boston. They just came back on Pittsburgh last night, and they just proceeded to blow the doors off of Pittsburgh to come back and win. That is shocking, down. and we're going to definitely talk about more of that later. Yeah, and then you got Detroit after that. Islanders, which is going to be a tough game on November 8th. Then on the 10th, you got Detroit again, and then you got Nashville on the 12th. So you, you got to really got to start bearing down and, and getting, you know, getting your, uh, your act together here if you're the Rangers, because the schedule isn't going to get any easier. And if they don't figure these things out for real, then they're going to start dropping in the standings. Because if you don't have a, a backup goaltender that can come in and spell Igor for a game or two and mm-hmm. have this guy not be worn out by the time April comes around, 
that's going to be a serious, serious issue for the Rangers. And just to just to note this, Yaroslav Halak has a no movement clause on his contract. So the Rangers would have to, I, I don't know why he got that. I don't know what Chris Drury was thinking there with that one. Like, that's somebody please explain that to me. Someone, yeah, please. That, that means you can't even wait. You can't even wave him. He's got a no You can't even clause. wave him. You, you have to carry three goaltenders at that point yeah. and sit him in the press box. So, yeah. um, you, you know what? That That's bad. And if you don't get a backup – someone that could come in and win some games and someone that you can trust. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen for this team then. By the way, just before we sign off on this segment, um, I got to ask you guys this question, Anthony, I'm going to start with you on this. So the Islanders play the Rangers again for the second time in two weeks. And in November, they play once the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. How stupid is the scheduling from the NHL? I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, even that, you know, they only play one, only one of the games at UBS this year. The rest of the meetings are all MSG. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's bizarre. Um, it's like, you know, years ago they played too many times. They play eight times. Um, and I'm not even talking about when they had the divisions because of COVID. There were years ago where they used to play each other eight times a season and then moved to mm-hmm. six. And now you have a time where they, you know, they don't play that much and spread out. It's just, it's wacky, but I mean, there's so many other things I complain about more. So it's, is what it is, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I think it's ridiculous. Phil. <clears throat> you want to, you want to talk about core actually brought this up and you just look at, I, I just saw this comment. The Rangers play Pittsburgh three times in one week. If you want to talk about <laughs> stupid schedule. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that is absolutely the truth. It, it's, it's Sunday, March 12th. Thursday, March 16th, and Saturday, March 18th, they play the Pittsburgh Penguins three times in one week. <clears throat> what? Who is scheduling these games, and what are they thinking? Like, why, I, I, why do I need two – why do I need a Ranger Islander game once every two weeks, and there's only three of them, so they're basically done with each other almost by the time November ends. Spread them out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd almost rather – be done with them as opposed to say uh, two years ago in the shortened season where the Islanders basically ended the Rangers season. So that didn't exactly help matters. So everybody, what's your thoughts on the Rangers right now? Have they righted the ship? What would you like to see changed? Throw it all down in the comments below. We are going to move along and yes, we're going to have a timer to make sure that we have plenty of time for bar talk and some of your questions because we're going to channel our inner politicians for a moment since next Tuesday is election day. Don't worry. I don't want to know who you're voting for. All you have to choose is between these two guys that are right over here. So first we're going to have the first ever big apple hockey candidates debate. And we will start off with Mr. Anthony LaRocco representing his constituents of the New York Islanders and Mr. LaRocco. We just want to know why you think, your team is Stanley Cup worthy. You have 90 seconds. See, actually, I don't. I, I, I wish I could just pick any team, but I understand why you're doing Rangers Islanders. Because, but um, for the sake of it, well, um, my 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 organization is Stanley Cup worthy because we have one of the elite goaltenders in this league in goal, Mr. Ilya Sorokin. He's always going to give you. Um, you know, high level goaltending right now is at a 935, 935 save percentage. I think it's only going to go up as the season goes on. He's that good. And what do they always say? 
goaltending and defense wins championships, which brings you to the defense. Pairing of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock is back together now that they have a formidable D to play with Dobson and not broken up. Um, so they're back together. They have Char and Green gone, so they are no longer slow on the back end. They can all move the puck. Noah Dobson, Alexander Romanov. Scott Mayfield is a – right now he's playing as a bottom pair at D, but on a lot of other teams he's a solid number four. And then their forward group, yeah, you know, haven't been known to score goals, but right now they're gelling. You got Brock Nelson – Anders Lee playing one of the best hockey I've seen him play in years. Matt Barzell. Um, they're a total, a total team pulling on the rope at the same time, led by Lane Lambert. And you know what? At the end of the day, when you combine all those elements, you have a really, a really good chance of going all the way and hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup. So um, the New York Islanders, at the end of the day, are, are going to hoist the cup, and it's thanks to the thriller in goal. That's amazing. That's right at 90 seconds. <laughs> That's actually real good. All right. Well, we now have to go over to uh, Mr. Filkowski of the District New York Rangers, and we want to know why your team is Stanley Cup worthy. Igor Shesterkin. The man won the Vezina Trophy last year, and although his numbers did not look great entering last night, it's amazing what one shutout can do for you early on in the year just to change everything. So he now has a 921 save percentage and a 222 goals against. So you have the reigning Vezina winner and MVP candidate. I probably should have won the MVP last year. And you have an MVP candidate in Artemi Panarin, who looks like he's going to break the 100-point mark for the first time in his career this year. You have a point-per-game center in Mika Zibanejad, who looks like he should be up for the Selkie Trophy. You have a 52-goal scorer from last year, Chris Kreider. And even though you may think he may not score 50 goals, 40 is definitely not out of the question for him because he's the best power play front uh, net front presence in the league. You have a Norris Trophy contender in Adam Fox. You have a great <laughs> top four. Um, you just need some uh, – you just need some uh, – a little bit of depth in the bottom six – just to help things out. But I also think that the Rangers are going to make a big move at the deadline. They're going to go all in this year because they came very close last year. And Chris Drury is going to make something happen at the deadline, whether he has to uh, get a third team involved. I don't know, but I think that there's going to be a man named Patrick Kane. That's going to have some showtime in Broadway with an old friend of his named Artemi Panarin. So I think the Rangers are really one of the three teams to beat in the East. All right. Well, I'm going to stay with you, uh, Mr. Fulkowski, because I want to know, as a representative of the New York Rangers, why is your team better than your opponents? You have 90 seconds. Well, the Islanders are getting some production in, in over their head from guys that don't normally score like this. So Anders Lee is playing a point per game. Do you expect Anders Lee, of all people, to stay at a point per game? I don't. Anthony just said before that Ilya Sorokin, he expects his save percentage to go up. Um, if I heard that correctly, you expect him to go up from a 935 save percentage? Do you think he's Dominic Hasek in 1997 and 1998? Because he's definitely not. Oliver Wallstrom, he's already starting to cool down. Anthony Beauvillier, talk about unreliable. J.G. Pajot, zero goals and five points in 10 games. That's a lot, or that's a whopping total for a uh, a five million dollar third line center. 
Brock Nelson is also not going to sustain a point per game either. And Matt Barzell, even though I think he's unlocked a little bit offensively, I still think he's going to regress from a point per game. So the Islanders will eventually run into their offensive troubles. It's just a matter of when. All right. And coming in well under time, Mr. LaRocco of the district, uh, New York Islanders. What is your response? Hate you, Mark, for trying to have to sell this right now. Um, <laughs> well, you, you can, you could point to their goaltending and, and, you know, I, I personally have never got into the, the pissing match or who's better. Cause I honestly, I think they really are both on the same level. So I'm, I'm going to negate them, but you know, when you look at the New York Rangers roster, you could say that the New York Islanders have trouble scoring in, in the past, and they have, and that's accurate, and they very well might come back. Um, you know, the Rangers, though, if you look at their roster, they're being carried by Artemi Panarin, uh, Mika Zibanejad, Trocek's playing well, and, you know, Chris Kreider is maybe going to start get, to get going here. But you're not going to win the Stanley Cup when you have your two prize young players having three points and five points, respectively. Um, you know, you're going to need some more support there. And right now they're not scoring. And, yeah, they look good. But at the end of the day, points matter. And if you're not putting up the points, it's going to put more stress on their forwards. And as it gets deeper into the season, when it gets harder and harder to fight for every inch of the ice, um, things could get could really dry up there for a little bit. So um, Igor is going to have more stress on him at that point by feeling he's going to have to stop every puck if they're not scoring a lot of goals and night in and night out. Um, and at least with the Islanders, it's balanced up and down the lineup. Uh, but I, I, uh, I think that the New York Islanders are, are, um, going to be the, the better New York team. All right. So in one sentence in June, why is your team going to win the Stanley cup, Anthony? Um, Lou Lamorello is not afraid when he, when his team is in a playoff spot, at the deadline to make a trade and make a splash. We saw it the last couple of years, the Islanders made the playoffs, Pajot and Palmieri. Um, so if they're in a playoff spot, he's going to take a, he's going to take a big swing and he's going to try to get a scoring forward to push them over the edge. Um, and say, what you want to say about Lou, I've been his biggest critic in the off season, but if the Islanders are, are a good team, come the play, come the deadline. Lou is going to to make a big acquisition to push him over the edge. Phil, one sentence. Do you really believe that? Because I, I, I have a lot of trouble believing that you actually believe the words that just came out of your mouth after seeing them pass on Taylor Hall for Kyle Palmieri. I, I, I really do. I really do. And, and I'm looking at your face right now, and I don't think you even believe that. I don't well, think you believe that. You're smirking right now because you know it, too. <laughs> That's the sad part. I actually believe that my general manager is going to go out there and go make a big move for, for a, a big-time talent at the deadline. You want to know why? Because the pushy owner at the top of the organization is going to be in his ear. And that 80-year-old um, special consultant, whatever his name is, you know, the guy with the glasses, the white hair and the cigar that, you know, been kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes, that guy's going to be in his ear. And that's why I can see my team going out and getting somebody like Patrick Kane at the deadline. Because that guy is going to tell Jim Dolan, who's actually rumored to be selling the team within the next couple of years, and you know he wants to win another championship by the time that he leaves. So there's going to be big moves made. Chris Drury, he's got assets, and he's going to find a way to make the cap work. I'm telling you, the Rangers will be that team in June.
that'll win that Stanley Cup. All right. So everybody, that's the case is made by Anthony and Philk. Uh, we want to ask you who's got your votes. Uh, right now we have 64% uh, in favor of Philk and the Rangers, but this is a very Rangers heavy polling. So who knows, maybe on election day, it might be a little bit different in June. So uh, what we also got word about this. Um, we actually got, re we received this political attack ad on big apple hockey. And uh, you can see it right here. Can we trust Mark Williams as he goes to hockey events and is the weakest host on Big Apple Hockey with Anthony Lavrocco and John Fulkowski as they interview great guests from all around the NHL? But who can forget this moment? Hey, Justin Huberto. Uh, it's Jonathan. Sorry, Jonathan. Jonathan, Jesus. Vote Philk Loraco for a brighter future. Paid for by the family of Justin Huberto. I didn't know I made that many enemies. What the hell happened? Oh my God. I just. You say, you say Justin Huberto once, and it's just forever. You just got to lean into it. All right. So everybody, who are you voting for? Are you voting for Filks, New York Rangers? So he's down here this day. Or oh my Rangers. God! All right, but more importantly, Amazing. we gotta go through more NHL topics, and we're doing some bar talk right now. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Let's say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually gonna go crazy. I'm gonna buy everybody around on this one. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice to drink. Are you so confident you're buying everybody around? Or are you thinking, eh, I'm just going to have a beer? Or, oh, my God. I, I, oh, I, need I, I, need, I need a shot because Mark said Justin Huberto or Anthony Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, when you talk so much, eventually you end up saying the wrong thing. Uh, so I just can't help but say that. So... And again, once again, the trucker hats are available. Put them in the link. Uh, there's a link down below. Uh, we've actually sold one off of eBay, so that was nice. So we can actually sell some more. <laughs> Philk, starting with you on this one, the New York Rangers need Filipino back in the lineup. You want to give me an easier layup than this one? <laughs> I, come on, this is a no-brainer. This is a – I'm buying everybody rounds. I mean, like – I'm about to ask you if you're still drunk from last night. No, actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy round. Come on, man. They have no bottom six depth as it is. They they need center depth after the top two centers. This is an easy round. Yeah. Anthony? It's a round. Um, it's, it's uh, Mark, yeah. It's, it's, um, I guess you just wanted a, a simple one everyone would agree on. Uh, but yeah, they they need they could use his speed and skill in the lineup for sure. Because like I said earlier, you know, um, they they need some more support and some more offense from people in the bottom from players in the bottom six. Now again, I use the word need and capitalized it because how crucial it really is. But my God, Barkley Goodrow is your third line center is not going to win anything. You, I'm buying everybody around on this one. I, I love it, but you know, we really need to. The, the the Rangers really need to get him back in the lineup. By the way, that's a rare time I said the word wait. Jesus. 
Got to make sure I don't do that. And yeah, Heedle's been out a week so far, so that's been a problem. All right, moving on to the next one. The New York Islanders' Ilya Sorokin will lead the NHL in save percentage by Thanksgiving. Mr. LaRocco, this is your beat. Uh, it's a beer. I mean, when you look at when you look at the save percentage leaders right now, the standings, when you filter out the guys who don't have the games played that are just in there, like Aiden Hill and Craig Anderson um, and Stuart Skinner, you know, he, he's fourth behind Ettinger and Logan Thompson. Um, I mean, Logan Thompson, Vegas is please playing good, but um, I, I think, I think it's a very good chance of it. Um, you know, he's one of the better goaltenders in the league. Uh, he's going to get more starts this year as opposed to last year, as you saw with Varlamov, clearly a backup. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very reasonable, especially um, I know Ettinger is actually out right now for a little bit. He's injured. Um, so, he, you know, and I'm sure also Igor Shosturkin is going to continue to get better. But as of right now, um, I don't see any reason why by Thanksgiving or, you know, early December, Sorokin won't be leading the pack. Phil. Say beer. It's very possible. He's going to be up near the uh, the top of the league in save percentage for the majority of the year, if not the entire year. I don't know if he's going to be the leader. It's possible, but yeah, I mean, I, I would like him to be in, in the top. I, I think that's where he's going to be. He's going to be probably top five in the league for the vast majority of the year. So I'm going to say beer. You know what? I'm actually going to go a little bit off the grid for a different reason on this one. I'm going to say shot, not because I don't think that he's capable of, I think he's very capable of. I just think the, the backups are still like Stuart Skinner is going to have too many uh, games played. Eventually, if it gets to Christmas in January, different story. He might be the leader then. Because after all, he finished, what, second in the league last year? Yeah. It's the reason why everybody's picking him for a dark horse candidate. You also spelled his name wrong. (laughs) Oh, come on. on. All right, wait. There we (laughs) go. That one was right. All right, look, look. That's a all right. That, all right. All right. All right. All right. Let, let, let's give let's give Mark a little bit of a break here because Sorkin is better than Justin Huberto instead of Jonathan. Yeah. So at least he just forgot the O this time around. <laughs> all right. Well, going over to the other team in the tri-state area, the last team we haven't talked about, the New Jersey Devils, three and uh, sorry, seven and three this season, and eleven a plus eleven goal differential, six and one in their last seven. The New Jersey Devils are a dominant NHL team. Phil, start it up. (laughs) Buying a shot on this one. Come on, man. They they have a great start. And Jesper Brad is playing amazing. And I'm definitely sold on him as a player. I I don't think he's going to be a point-per-game, well over a point-per-game player like he is now. But, I mean, he's done some incredible work with his skating. And you know me. I preach edge work. I've seen the videos of Jesper Bratt doing edge work uh, drills in over the summer, the last couple of years, his skating has come such a long way. Um, but Jack Hughes is an incredible player. Um, they just don't have the defense and I don't trust their goaltending. So I'm, I'm t- buying a shot on this one. Anthony. Yeah. You know, right now Vitek Vanacek's playing real well. Um, I'm not sure how long he's going to continue playing at the level that he's playing at right now. Um and they are being led by Brat, and obviously Jack Hughes is really, really good. I think he might break break out in a big way this year. 
Um, but call them a dominant team already. I mean, it's 10 games into the season. Um, I think we're all in agreement just in general. They're on the upswing with the talent they have in that organization. Um, and, you know, they, they very well may push for a playoff spot this year. But um, to say they're dominant um, is a little too premature. But I, I will give them their due. They're, they're playing really, really well right now. Um, and it may not be a fluke. Like I said, they might be hanging around all year, but I'm not going to call them a dominant NHL team. It's way too early. So shot. Uh, so, oh, you went with shot on that one, right? Yeah. 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 I think I put that, I forgot just in case if I didn't, it's right there, but I'm actually going to go to beer only because I, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to keep this up. They are basically doubling the shot total of their opponents. I think out of the last seven games, I think it was, uh, for them, they basically doubled the shot totals. That's incredible for almost any team. But you know something? You just projected it down the line. I just don't see it with Mackenzie Blackwood. I don't see it with Vitek Vanacek. And I don't know if their defense holds up. One injury to Nico Heischer could change everything. Jesper Bratz playing out of his mind. They are they are going to just rue the day they didn't lock him up. So Because he's going to be very expensive next Look season. at their schedule, though. So the teams that they've beaten, they beat Anaheim four to two, they bad team. They beat the Islanders when they were in their free fall. They beat San Jose two to one, bad team. They beat Detroit. Okay, Detroit's a middling team. They shut out Colorado one nothing in the middle of a funk. They beat Columbus, bad team seven to one, and then they beat Vancouver five to two. And Vancouver's just uh, Vancouver might be the worst team in the league right now. For, for all we know, they're just they're playing terrible hockey. So um, I, there is definitely no way that I can call them Devils a dominant team until they start beating good teams regularly because they haven't and, beaten anybody good at the right time. At this yeah, point. just Colorado. That's the one that kind of got everybody's eyes open. But yeah, we're going to see about that one pretty soon. Guys, there's another team in a tremendous amount of turmoil right now. The Leafs. Oh. Four, four, and two, oh, and two on the West Coast trip. Sheldon Keith will not be the Leafs coach by Thanksgiving. I'm going to start this one off, and I'm buying everybody around on this one. Oh my goodness! There's, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. There's an article that I posted that I still have to proofread a little bit better. Obviously, you know me, but it's on Big Apple Hockey right now. You can take a look. It's the the Leafs are musty TV for absolutely the wrong reason. This this team, they they are in absolute free fall and all the leaf haters get your popcorn ready. It's going to be there. But I, you know, after that West coast trip, that does not look very good. Uh, Anthony. The, uh, the unrest there is real right now. Um, you know, and if they lose to Philly tonight and drop the four five and two, whatever they are, um, you know, there's a very real possibility they could make the change because they're not going to can Dubas midseason. I mean, he's good as gone in the offseason if they don't make the playoffs, so they're losing the first round. But I'm not sure it's a move they would make in season. Therefore, really, the only other thing to do is fire the coach. Um, and I don't know if they would let Dubas right now make a significant trade, being that he doesn't have a contract for next summer, you know? So their hands you might don't be want tied. Peter and, yeah. And the only thing they could do is fire the coach. So, there's a very real possibility of it. If they, if they, you know, they, let's say go one and three in their next four or, you know, even worse. I think there's a real possibility. Yes. He is can by Thanksgiving for sure. Philk. Uh, I'm this close to saying round. 
but I'm going to say beer. And the reason for that being is I was watching NHL Network earlier on today, and they were talking about what Anthony was just saying about the fact that they could possibly fire him even sooner if they don't turn the ship around in the next few games. And I, I think it's very, very possible. He is on very, very thin ice right now. And Kevin Weeks was right, though. It's not completely his fault. If you look at the roster and what he's been given, uh, he hasn't really been given the best hand. It's like walking into a poker game as a short stack with a 7-2 offsuit against a bunch of guys that have face cards. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're behind the eight ball right off the bat. So um, there's, there's no depth in the bottom six with them. They have too many redundant parts, too many scores, not enough grit and two-way players on that team. Their defense is filled with puck movers who think offense first and, and just forget about defense. Morgan Riley's supposed to be your best guy. He doesn't know defense if it hit him, uh, uh, come in, you know, if it hit him in the ass. And, and their goaltending, their goaltending, what is that? What, what made you think? that that goaltending tandem was going to be the tandem that was going to take you to the promised land. And what, you know, you know, possessed Dubas to say, oh, let me get rid of Jack Campbell. You know, wasn't great to begin with. To go after Ilya Samsonov, who got booted out of Washington because they didn't think he was the guy, and Matt Murray, who has been declining for what seems like at least five years. Four years at least. Four years at least. Well, well, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll say four years. But, again, I, I, listen, I'm not saying Sheldon Keefe is a great coach. I think he's decent. But when you get handed a double-decker shit sandwich like he's been handed in Toronto with that roster, how do you expect that team to win? They're soft. They're soft. Charmin's soft. Right, right back to you, Anthony. What I was going to say was he was talking about the goaltending. The sad part is, you know what? You imagine how much worse it would be if Seb Sonoff actually wasn't playing pretty well. He's got a 920 save percentage. I mean, if if he was the Seb Sonoff from last year, I think Keith would already be fired right now because yeah, right. he's he's actually yeah, not and that's that why. Bad. And and uh, that's yeah, why when it comes he, to him, here's the question then: How long do you think Ilya Samsonov is going to play at this level for? Because yeah. knowing his career trajectory, it tells you that this is not sustainable for him. Yeah, I mean, it's because it, you know he's going to have a lapse mentally, and then and just, I mean, I always think about that Boston game whenever Gerber comes to uh, Ilya Samsonov, game three against Boston, where he basically left the puck behind. And Smith ends up scoring the uh, the game winner. I think it was crazy. You know, right? you know what though, yeah. Mark. Before we move on, some of this, some of this is on Brendan Shanahan too, because you talk about Kyle Dubis, but Shanahan is the one that works in conjunction with Dubis, and you know the fact that he kind of agreed not to still not make wholesale changes when they lose in the fourth, when they lose in the first round again, just because they went to a game seven against Tampa Bay, short sighted. So Dubis is to blame too, but. I mean, let's face it, you 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 got to know that Shanahan probably also worked in lockstep with Dubas and, you know, agreed with not shake up the roster just yet. So it's not all on Dubas either. Shanahan takes no. the blame of this too for endorsing to keep the roster the same way, which is inexcusable. I, I don't know how. I don't know how year after year you fail and fail and fail and they keep the same roster together. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, I, if I, 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 I would have I, I, I would have shipped off 
Nylander and for other good pieces to help elsewhere two years ago when they lost. Uh, I, it's baffling to me. It's just, I don't, don't I, I hate to jump to a different sport, but the parallel is so, so blatant here. Look at the New York Yankees. They have not won World Series since 2009. They had the same core together since 2017, basically. And they keep having the same exact result year after year. They get into the playoffs. The offense stagnates because they're too home run heavy. But yet the general management in the front office there does not want to change their approach in building the roster. It's the same exact thing in Toronto. You're getting the same exact results. Textbook definition of insanity. And you know what? They they better they better be careful and you know at least make the playoffs and you know win a couple of rounds because if they fail to make the playoffs or flame out in the first round again, why is Austin Matthews going to sign an extension this summer when he becomes available? He's he's not. He'll just he'll just play out the year and become a free agent. So they better prove to him they're they're going to change something and they're going to start to win because. Like I said, he's he's a free agent after next year. And if this continues and they flame out this year, I don't see why he would sign a long-term extension in Toronto right now. I, I don't. I don't know and, why and he I, would. I got it because that's one of the things you have to hit the nail on the head with. And both of you guys hit it because both things I cite in this, in this blog post. Because, A, Toronto, first off, the idea of the Maple Leafs not having Austin Matthews is about as uh, just weird as the idea of – uh, uh, Aaron Judge being in a different jersey. First off, you're the Maple Leafs. You should never lose a free agent. Then the New York Rangers will throw the Montreal Canadiens in there. Then you have, um, then you have the fact that why would he stay though? Because this team is not progressing, and a matter of fact, they're no. about to really go backwards very much soon. I think, and well, it's coming sooner or later. I don't think they ever built it right. You built it on top end talent, and then you filled in nothing else in the middle. And I know we're we're taking a little bit of time on this, but that's why I took the timer off, guys, because this was going to be a big topic. But Anthony, speaking about which, last week we were discussing this, and uh, just the Toronto Maple Leafs played the San Jose Sharks, and we got to see this. Oh wait, that's the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, this one got it right here. Got to see this moment. If you're watching it or if you're listening to us, it's Eric Carlson taking a breakaway. By the way, he also skated down and stopped William Nylander right there. And that looks like vintage Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson's back, guys. Anthony. I mean, you got to you gotta go. I mean, based on his numbers, it's hard not to go around. But, uh, I mean, he's got he scored a hat trick last night. He's got a... 15 points so far in the season. Um, you know, he's 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 putting up the points where, you know, last couple of years you looked at his production and you think to himself, well, you know, he's done. Um, but on a bad Sharks team, what he's doing is actually really impressive. Um, you know, he, he seems to be skating a little better. And like I said, the results are there with the numbers. So um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt right now and, and say round. And, you know, hopefully – Hopefully for the Sharks and him, um, he does maintain this because then that gives him, a, even though his contract's a little bit of albatross, if he's putting up elite numbers, you may get a team at the trade deadline that will still trade for him and you know and want him. Because going into this season, you look at that contract and say it's an anchor. He's not going anywhere. 
But right now, um, you know, he's he's playing really well. It looks like he's turning back the clock for sure. Yeah, he looked amazing on that, Philk. I'm going to say beer. I, I, I like the start. Um, he's 32 years old. He's had a bunch of injuries. Yes, he looks like he's skating 10 times better than he's skating in the last, I would say, three years maybe. But um, I, I don't know if I'm totally buying that he's back at this age and the mileage that he's had on. And not only that, but this team. The, the, the team just does not have a lot of talent around him. I don't know if this tight for production is sustainable. Definitely not over a point per game sustainable, but even close to a point per game. I, I, I don't know if that's sustainable. I mean, if he ends the season with 60-plus points, I mean, that's doable at this point, considering the start he's had. But um, I, I just don't know if, if that's possible, considering – that right now that there's a big gap between him and Tomas Hurdle, who has eight points in 12 games. Then you have a declining Logan Couture with seven points in 12 games. Timo Meyer has not really had a great start with seven points in 12 games. Nico Sturm is second on their team in goals with five. Where is everybody else in terms of goal scoring and points going? So um, I, I'm not totally buying this. I think he might end the season with 60 points. And if you want to call that back, okay, then yeah, then you, you know, you can consider that a back year, but um, I'm sticking with a beer. I'm going to just make mine really short uh, beer because two weeks ago when they played the Islanders, he was nowhere to be found. So, and, and against the Rangers, he was okay at best. So let's just see if it was just one good game and like he's had a little bit of a hot streak. But I'm, I'm tempted to buy around on this one because it looks like in that one play, it looks like all of his physical ailments are gone. He's back and he's only 32. So he could still have some more years of his prime last week. And we talked about the disasters of the Vancouver Canucks. They won two games and they've been making changes. They acquired Ethan bear and Jason Studnika. Is that the way you say it? Yeah. Jackson, well, whatever. So I get the I get the first name wrong, and even and I even took the time to put it all together. <laughs> anyway, can't wait till we ever have we, we we're doing this good enough, and we get and we get assistance in production teams. Anyway, the Canucks are going to continue making moves or aren't done making moves, I should say. You know what? I'll just start it real quick, and I'll make it on short. I'm buying everybody around on this one because they're going to need to. Uh, the Bo Horvat situation is sort of looming over them. If they don't improve, they better start shopping them now. And especially with $5.5 million on that contract, that's they could get back a good piece for him. Uh, Phil. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to be making moves. I'm, act, I'm actually going to say round on this one because I think they're going to be chasing a playoff spot for the entirety of the year. Um, I think they're going to play better eventually at some point, but I still don't trust their defense. Too many puck movers. Then you have an unreliable guy like Tyler Myers, who I just think is washed at this point and terribly overpaid. Um, same with Oliver Lechman Larson, just overpaid and washed. Um, but they're, they're going to need something to change everything up, and Thatcher Demko is going to need some help. So Bruce Boudreaux is going to be fighting for his life as a coach by the end of this year, and you're going to see probably why he gets canned from places because – Offense, no defense with them. So, yeah, they'll be making moves round. Anthony? I'm going round, too. Um, the, GM, the GM already said that he kind of the players were told that 
Um, they'll wave people. They'll make more moves. Um, no one's really going to be safe right now if they keep losing. And, you know, those moves could be Boudreaux losing a job. It's not exclusive to making a trade. But, um, yeah, guys like Bo Horvat, Mark, you mentioned, he's could be an unrestricted free agent in the summer. Um, you know, if they keep losing, I mean, why would he resign there? Um, you know, it could lead to a point where they have to deal him. And, boy, would I love to get my hands on Bo Horvat. I mean, guys, he's got eight goals, ten points in ten games. Um, you know what, honestly? Uh, if, if I were, you know, if I were the Rangers come the deadline, I would look to make Bo Horvat slide Trocheck down to the 3C, which is not really a huge issue. I mean, that makes it so much deeper. Horvat's a hell of a hockey player. Um, and again, if the Canucks keep losing, uh, I got to imagine that, you know, he may lay his cards on the table and say he ain't re-signing. Um, so, there, there, yeah, there could be a lot of potential moves on the horizon for the Canucks for sure. Which uh, would be interesting cap gymnastics for uh, Chris Drury to fit him in. Let's say even if they tried it early, like January, because and and just to save this for the record, I think Philip is a great kid. I would I would drive him to Vancouver for yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. And by the way, who's the president of the Canucks? Jim Rutherford. He doesn't stand pat. This is what he does. No. He does. He makes not early moves. Pat. Yes. So, guys, one last one, and I'm going to point this one out from uh, this weekend's game. Again, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, but this time it's against the Anaheim Ducks, and that's this move that's right over here. We can definitive uh, – hold on. Let me get this. First, we're going to get the Frank Petrano shot that goes right in right there. And there was a – I think it, it was Trevor Zegers that was in the crease. Uh, no, it was Adam Henrique. Adam Henrique is in the crease, and he's fighting for position. He gets out of the crease, and uh, David Camp is the one that's in there. The puck goes in off of Jared Stahl's foot. Guys, we can definitively say what goalie interference is, and I'm going to start with you, Philk. Uh, oh, by the way, it was waved off, goalie interference. That's what I forgot to say. Shot. They, <laughs> they still don't have this figured out. You think after the Dwight King mistake in the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals and their minutes over that summer that they got it wrong and that they needed to you know start reviewing these calls, which has been going on since the 2014-15 season, that they would get this right at some point, and they just don't. They don't. And uh, you know what's funny? You know, when um, that first play early on with the wraparound last night in the Ranger Flyer game mm-hmm. – I would like to have seen if that one would have been waved off if that went in because Kevin Hayes took out Igor Shosturkin with his skate. And that's why Igor Shosturkin couldn't get back around on that wraparound. And Ryan Lindgren had to jump in. So they don't seem to know what goalie interference is. We don't. Anthony. Um, I'm, I'm going to say shot. Uh, it's very, it seems like, one play will get called off for goaltender interference one night, and then basically the same exact thing happens the other night, and it stands. So it's very inconsistent. Um, you know, on that goal that got waved off, they it, they waved it off because if you looked at him when they showed the front angle, Henrique had his, like, arm pushed up against the Leaf defenseman behind him, which kind of caused him to make contact with his own goalie. So that's why they waved it off because they say, you know, he impeded the goalie's and ability to make the save by pushing the Leafs defenseman into him. But um, it's across the board. It, it's really is across the board. Um, there's no real measuring stick. It's it's really peculiar to me how 
how they rule on goaltender interference. It's not consistent at all. It's, it's a joke, honestly. And, and it is. And that's why I'm going to go once again, We're uh, call me little John or little John because it's now shot, shot, shot. So it's, we can basically scream at everybody right now, but it's just, they need to say, this is what goalie interference is. If you just want to go back to the old, hell, the 1997 rule of n- nobody in the crease whatsoever, then that's going to cause problems. Because after all, Brett Hull, Brett Hull. Had the Stanley Cup winner, only just a year or two after that. And now that's Dude. still being debated. And then you still have, you, you get moments like this where Henry gets out of the, out of the crease, but he kind of, uh, camp is out of the crease too, but they're they're still out of the crease. But there was still like some contact. I could kind of understand it, but it's just we're not going to get any consistency. And gee, there's only just say this right to the camera. This isn't going to be a problem in the playoffs. So, and then you get guys getting pushed into the goaltender, and then it's like, well, you shouldn't have when. Uh, That's even worse. That. That's even worse. They, you, they, you have the defenders that push the forwards into the goaltender, and it's a definitive push, and they don't call it, you know, and, and they and they disallow the goal because they say, the, oh, the player should have made an effort to get out of there. How are you going to make an effort to get out of there when you're being cross-checked into the damn yeah. goaltender? Like, it just doesn't even make sense. And then the Dwight King one that we know how much I hate that. McDonough's boxing him out. He starts in the crease and literally falls on Henrik Lundqvist in the crease. And they still, they, that, that, they, they, they ended up admitting the mistake later on, but that's just ridiculous. Anthony, final word on this. I don't see anything changing anytime soon. Really I've been talking about, you know, goaltender interference and, you know, it kind of being, you know, not black and white, more so gray. I, I don't know if it's going to change. So We'll have to live with it. Hopefully, uh, you know, in the playoffs, there's no screw-ups, but it, it's it's annoying. Yeah. And by the way, everybody, appease the YouTube gods. Make sure you are uh, liking, subscribing to the channel. And also, make sure you also smash that like button. Yes, I've been using those the last couple times. Trying to improve that appease the YouTube gods uh, thing in there. All right. Um Let's just let's just do a quick discussion and very quick because I know we're running out of time and we got about five minutes to do this because I brought this up in our in our uh, group chat this week. Let's say because the New York Rangers could possibly finish outside the lottery and I'm uh, sorry, out of the playoffs and end up winning uh, the Connor Bedard lottery. Would it be would it be like better in that case? Than not winning a Stanley Cup, or is it just like the silver lining? I maintain I, I get, I, I get where you're, failure. I get where you're going with this one. You know, you're 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 basically asking if you you know if you don't win the cup, would you rather have Bedard at that point? So basically, like, what would you rather have getting to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing, or would you rather have Bedard? Um. It's it's tough because Bedard gives you an exponential more amount of chances to get to the Stanley Cup Finals and win that cup as opposed to one maybe like the Rangers in 2014. The Rangers in 2015, you, you could have tanked and you would have ended up with Connor McDavid. You know, um, but you know what? They they were a Presidents Trophy winner in 2015. That wasn't going to happen. 
But, you know, in hindsight, you know, you didn't win the Stanley Cup. You would have been better off with Connor McDavid. So it, it's a double-edged sword. But I, 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 know if, I know if I'm going to be a team that's going to be a first-round exit, I think I would rather have Connor Bedard at that point. But if I, if I know that I have a legitimate shot and that I could be one of the final four teams, I, I, I think you have to go for it at that point because you're very close. Anthony, Mark, I think this originally stemmed from when you when you were talking on Twitter about um, like, you know, obviously the Rangers have cup, cup expectations this year. And you were saying that, you know, if they didn't, if they were to miss the playoffs, um, it would be a epic failure, which, you know, which I agree. But the, the point that comes in at that point is, yeah, if you yeah, it would suck if you, you know, you're you know, you're hats thrown in the Stanley cup ring. You're talking about being a contender. You missed the playoffs, but then you land Bedard. I'm forgetting about that a second. And I'm, you know, whistling while I'm walking through the grocery store that I, you know, got Connor Bedard. So, um, whereas more, you would still be like, Oh, well, this season sucked, which I don't agree with. Um, you know, if you come out of it with Connor Bedard, I mean that you're, you just altered the state of your franchise. So, um, yeah, it would be disappointing to have those expectations and fall short. But in the end, if you got Connor Bedard again, I, I would quickly be, <laughs> I would quickly forget about all that. And I would just be extremely happy that we just got a, a generational player on my roster. And this is, and again, this is the one draft where you could point to and say your top three picks could all be generational players or even franchise players, if not generational, because you got Matt Bay Mitchkoff, you got. Adam um, th- what Adam Van You got the name out before I could say it. I was going to say the kid from Michigan. And then you also got Connor Bedard. Look again, the season's still a failure. There's no way to, it's an epic failure if they no. put themselves within reach because this team is supposed to be progressing and moving on. Now, let me also say this, the same thing I said in that if, if the Rangers got Connor Bedard, they would throw him on the fourth line and tell him he needs to earn his ice time. And Vinny Trocek is still power play number one for the rest of his life. And you're just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's one reason why uh, Lafreniere and Kako aren't developing. I like Vinny Trocek. We didn't bring, we didn't, that's the second time I did that today, folks. I'm sorry. I keep saying how I'm a journalist and uh, I don't use the word we, but the Rangers did not bring him in to be another tool for the power play. And that look, the kids got to grab the, the positions too. So it's not just on him, but you know, it's just, it, it's a silver lining, but my expectations is the Stanley cup. That's it's just that simple. You have to be going for the cup. It's sort of like Anthony, how did you feel last year when the Islanders were losing and you're like, Hey, maybe they can get a better draft pick. Like that was supposed to be better than this was supposed to be the year you guys finally won the cup. Oh, I mean, it, it's, it still sucked, but then again, you know, you're, you're, you're comparing a team that's still middling, you know, picking in the, you know, like I said, where they 13th overall. So yeah, it's, it sucks all around. I mean, believe me, if they were, if they were dreadful to the point where they were going to win the lottery, I, you know, I would have been happy as the course of the season was going I'm like, all right, well, you know, things went really South, but it looks like we may get the first overall pick. I, w- I would have been extremely happy. I mean, that didn't happen. And I was pissed off again, because they were middling, they were mediocre. That's where you don't want to be. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna fall short, you might as well fall all the way short and you know talk about mm. you know trying to win the lottery again the first overall pick. It's a big difference. Which by the way, one thing I need to bring up is Connor Bedard isn't gonna be an MVP candidate next year. 
So not many players are McDavid to come in, point a game right away. And even McDavid's first season, he struggled because he had that clavicle clavicle injury, or was it the leg? He didn't re- – no, it, w- it was a clavicle. It was a hit from Brandon Manning and Michael Delzato um, after, a, after a drive to the net. But he didn't struggle in that season. He was over a point per game, and he was on pace for hence, 90 points. Hence, hence the quotes. <laughs> yeah, so – but um, – But, Phil, yeah, finish this, finish this up. But what I'm trying to say is you're also resetting the clock. Rangers aren't uh, cup contenders next year. I, I get it. But, you know, the Rangers are in a unique situation. Uh, the Islanders – I, I, their core is a little older. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're guys that – some of their guys are a little older, like your Brock Nelsons, your J.G. Pajos. Some of those guys are a little older. Um, but the Rangers, their core for the most part is very young. Like Adam Fox is young. Chesterton's young. Like you can afford to hit the reset button with the Rangers if they had gotten a guy like Bedard. Like that would if, – if not for winning the Stanley Cup, Bedard would be the second best thing that could happen to any team. But for a team like the Rangers, that would be some sort of insane luck for that to happen. And that would go a very, very long way to helping that team win a bunch of Stanley Cups because then you have a deadly one-two punch with Mika Zibanejad down the middle. You can move Vinny Trocek for bottom six depth, you know, if you want at that point. And, and that could fix a lot of problems in that team going forward. It could, yeah. Uh, the also thing that you got to remember is if you reset, you only have two more years of Igor Sesterkin at $5.6 million. That price tag's going up as well. And then Artemi Panarin as well. You got to worry about his contract ending. All right, guys, what do you got around the league before we start taking questions? Rumors? I mean, there's not really, there's not really many rumors in terms of I, – I, 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 I still have rumor mill. I should have said, like, yeah. we. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was yeah, the, the only rumor that I could really think of is that, um, you know, uh, Sheldon Keith is really on some thin, thin ice right now. That's that's the big, big thing that's going around right now. But um, the Maple Leafs are actually beating the Flyers right now. So, um, 2 1 the last I checked the score. I'm actually going to go back to that channel right now. Uh, I was yeah, going to ask you what the score was in that game because I knew it was going on. Yeah, 2 1 in intermission. But still, beating the Flyers, who everybody's expecting to be a last-place team eventually, that, that's that's not a needle mover. And I, I personally think he's lost Mitch Marner. Not, not that I think Mitch Marner isn't to blame either. Mitch Marner in the Anaheim game had two giveaways that led directly to goals. And that's a bad thing. As I was doing the article today, I talked about Matt Murray, his only start for them. He had one start. And it ended up being Jake Muzzin trying to save the day ends up with a turnover. Josh Anderson puts it in the back of the net. So it's just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see what magic wand the Maple Leafs are going to be able to do other than firing the coach or starting to break up the core. Anybody else got any ideas? The one thing I'll say is that Mitch Marner is not playing great right now, but he has nine points in 10 games. The defense will improve with him. I'd have to think because it's got to, it's gone. I, I do think that he um, Keith has probably lost some of these players, and that's why I think the firing can definitely happen very soon. But Austin Matthews has only three goals in uh, ten games, and that's not going to stay like that. This guy is usually the leader in goals every year in the NHL, and he's only shooting at a six point three percent. 
that's not going to last. Anthony, your thoughts on the Leafs again? I mean, they, they just need – I mean, if they're if they're not going to make any kind of move, um, they need – first off, they need Matthews to start being Matthews. I think going into today's game, he only had two goals. Um, simply not good enough. He needs to start scoring. Um, their defense needs to stop – needs to start defending better. Um, and then, you know, their goaltenders need just – I mean, Samsonov's been good. Like I said, 920 save percentage. If he can maintain that level of play um, and they can start – like the Matthews of the world and Marner could really start producing like the way they're known to be. Then, you know, they'll, they'll start winning some more regular season games and, you know, all will be well in leaf land until the playoffs start. Um, but I mean, if that, if none of that happens and they continue to flounder, then, you know, it, it goes South real quickly. Um, especially with the pressure that they all play under in Toronto there. So, um, and again, by the way, start, starts with Matthews. And by the way, I'm glad you brought that up, Anthony, because everybody talks about the pressure that the guys play under in Toronto. Sorry. You want to play in Winnipeg? Go yeah. ahead. Go play in Winnipeg. You want to go play in Arizona? Every every place has got pressure. As soon as the team God God help you if the team's good. If the team's good, then there's then every every fan base has pressure because they all want to see a winner. And then they wonder what, what's going on. The truth. So yeah. I mean, I because after the, I think after this, if I'm correct, I think the Leafs get the Bruins after this. Then they might win a couple games to, to keep themselves afloat. But it's still not looking that good for the Leafs right now. And this is one of those, prove me, prove me that I'm wrong, guys. Prove me that I'm wrong. So um, let's go take some questions. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you have any that you highlighted? That, uh, All right. We're just not very lucky. In back-to-back drafts, yeah, obviously they got very lucky with those. So, um, I, I, you know, they, I, I can't really see the Rangers getting that lucky again for a very long time. So. And also, the league would definitely make sure they would do the anti-Patrick Ewing then for them. They would make sure <laughs> the Rangers don't get another. Because you remember the last time stuff like that happened, where it was um, uh, Shaq and uh, Orlando got two picks, uh, two first overall picks in a row in the lottery in the NBA and it was going to be Shaq. And they were wondering whether or not they're going to draft Chris Weber. They ended up trading him and getting Penny Hardaway and the league said, all right, we're going to make an Orlando rule. It'd be a New York Rangers rule after that. Why there wouldn't be an Edmonton Oilers rule is a different story. But or a Quebec Nordique <laughs> rule when Quebec got, uh, they got uh, Sundin, uh, Nolan and Lindros three years in a row with first overall pick. Yeah. 89, 90, 91. Well, they were the worst. They were the worst team, and that's what kind of gave between that and the Mario Lemieux draft. That's what really gave birth to the lottery system. And Ooh, this is actually a good question. I'll go back to THG. The whole Russia with everything going on in Russia, Mitchkov signing an extension with SKA St. Petersburg. How far can we see him slipping in the draft? I don't think he's going to slip too far in a draft. I just think he's too good of a talent to pass up, and I, I, I think whatever team. Is, is available to draft him at two, three, whatever the case may be. I, I can't see him falling out of the top three. I just think he's too good of a player. I got to agree with that yeah, one. I'll just that. send it right over to Anthony. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I, I still think he'll get drafted at two or three. I mean, that from there, could he pull a Caprice off and, you know, take a couple of years to come over? It's possible. But um, I don't think it, he's, he's too good to really slip that far. So I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like there are obligations that he has that he's got to still play in Russia for a little bit. But 
I don't think it's going to change anything. Ooh, this one's a funny one. Uh, will Patrick Kane be a broom by Christmas from Upstate Isle? Uh, no, I, I don't think that they're bringing him in. Uh, if anything, I, I, I think that they – I mean, it's a possibility. I, I just don't – I don't see it happening, and not, not to the Bruins – and they, they have they have about I say three million in cap uh, cap space project they're saying projected cap space zero for Boston on cap friendly um, because I mean David Krejci is only out on a one million dollar deal but Charlie McAvoy comes back and then when Charlie McAvoy comes back then you're going to lose that cap space that they have so they're not going to really have the space to do it once Charlie McAvoy uh, comes back. You got, they got their first round draft picks the next three years, by the way, and their farm system is not exactly that appealing to a lot of people. The Bruins, no, they don't the have Bruins. a lot of great players, and they dealt with, and they just dealt a good young asset away in Jack Stanika. So, with with Patrick Kane come the deadline, um, you know, people think of his salary ten and a half million, but you got to remember, come the deadline, one, the Blackhawks will likely retain fifty percent, so that brings it to you know. Five million, five and a quarter, and then from there, come the deadline. So all the salaries are prorated. So at the deadline, if the if the Blackhawks are retaining fifty percent, that five million real at, at that time, come March third, is probably only like two million of an actual cap hit. So a lot of teams actually would be able to afford Patrick Kane come the deadline. Um, Again, if the Blackhawks retain fifty percent, I mean, even if you know, even if they don't, you're talking you need to have at least five million dollars of of cap space to afford Kane's deadline. So I don't think it's gonna be as hard as you think for for the Blackhawks to trade him. The thing that may make it difficult though is how many teams will he agree to waive his no movement clause for? Um, yeah, you know, the talk over the last over the summer has been that it may not be for many teams. You know, it may, it may be just be you know three teams or, or four teams. So it's not going to be a lot, but we'll, we'll see. And th- and that's another Here's reason. The question. Why, All right, Anthony, that's another reason why Kane wasn't ready to decide on his future and move in the summer, because he didn't want to, he wants to see which teams are really looking like contenders at the deadline. Cause one, if he would, uh, you know, in the summertime, yeah. Okay. Let's say the Florida Panthers are, are really good. You know, he, he gets traded there. Just an example. And then something happens and then come, you know, the deadlines looking like they're a bubble team or whatnot. Now he just, you know, waved out of a place he's been his whole career to go to another place where it's not even a guarantee he's going to compete for a cup. So I think he wanted to wait and see which teams are where they at so he can really make an informed decision of where he wants to go. Um, One thing that's also hanging over some teams, like we talked about the Austin Matthews situation, you got the David Pasternak situation. And that's much tougher because these are UFA at the end of the year. I mean, the Bruins got so many free agents. I mean, I just looked at Cap Friendly, just turning my head. I could see eight, two of them RFAs. I mean, do when did they decide they're going to move on from Pasternak? Well, if that happens. The way they're playing right now, it looks like they're going to be a, a really good team, which was surprising to me. So if that's the case... Excuse me, he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, they'll they'll hold on to him. Uh, and if the Bruins are going to have success, you know, he may he might even sign an extension and stay. So it's actually not as dire as I thought it was going to be before the season started. Uh, state of survival, I would say, uh, 
maybe Arizona finally wins a lottery. <laughs> I mean, they've they've tanked like three times. They haven't won a lottery yet. They still haven't had a number one overall draft pick. I think going all the way back to Dale Howarchuk, as far as that franchise goes. Um, was Dale Howarchuk a number one overall pick? I thought he was. I, 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 don't I know. think he was. We can take a look at that. No, he was. Yeah, he was first overall in '81. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Howard Chuck was their only number one overall pick, as far as I know of. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I, I could see him coming to the Rangers in terms of Patrick Kane. I just think that they have the assets to do it. I, I think there might have to be a third team involved, and they might have to pay a little extra. But I, I, I think that they're. The old line of if there's a will, there's a way is going to come into question here. And I think Dolan's going to push for it. And I think Drury's going to have to do right. what it takes to get it done. But here's my comment on that, though. Patrick Kane, everybody talks about how him and Artem and Panarin were great running mates. Panarin's least productive seasons were with Patrick Kane. They were also his first two seasons in the league. That's still true, yes, but still. But it, uh, then again, look at the scoring in 2016 and 17. And look at the scoring in, in today's game, like now, these last two years. There's a considerable spike in scoring. Last year was the, the highest scoring season the NHL has seen since 1996. So uh, there's there's definitely a difference. And even if you don't have Artemi Panarin playing with Patrick Kane, you put Patrick Kane with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider? That's a line nobody wants to face. Nobody wants to face that line. Chicago's gonna, even though he's 34 years old and he's a pending UFA, Chicago's gonna ask for a lot. Um, I don't think you're getting Patrick Kane without giving up a guy like Capocaco. I, I, I don't. I think he'd have to be on the table. I, uh, I think they would probably move him at that point if, if they see that he's, if he's not productive by this deadline. I, I think they would. I think there's a chance they might move him. Yeah, it might not um, be the best thing for the, for the team. But I, I can see them saying at this point, you know what? We've given you 20, 21, 22, 23. We've given you four years, and, and you've gotten more ice time with better line mates over these last two years, and you still haven't been productive. So I don't, um, Mark but, probably I don't, lose I don't know if it's necessarily going to take that, though. The one thing I would worry about would probably be Brennan Othman. I mean, uh, yeah, I think the Rangers are rolling on to Brendan Altman. I think that guy's going to be a good player. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't move him. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't but I think that's what Chicago would ask for. Uh, so I, I think Hoffman would be the guy. And and let me use this analogy. I've used it for a while. And, Anthony, you'll appreciate this. But it, if <clears> they move Kako, I'm expecting a Todd Bertuzzi type of explosion. That's how good I think that kid's going to be. What what have you seen matter. that makes you what have you seen that makes you think that though? Uh, I think his puck control has been elite. It's 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 becoming elite. He's not a liability defensively, so that's just it. Uh, Phil had a great line last night when uh, we were talking about him. If he could be Miko Ranton and light, that would be good enough. So and if that's that's where he could be as Miko Ranton, and that's fine. I just think if he gets more ice time elsewhere, I think he's gonna explode. I could see it. Um, the, uh, the skating still needs to improve, but he's just an absolute monster along the walls. 
He's smart in his own end. Um, in 2021, he was one of the league, one of the top 35 players in the league in takeaways as a second year player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, who would have expected him to do that? Uh, you, you just, uh, he's a smart player. <clears throat> I, I still think he needs to work on two things, the skating and his shot. His shot. I, I, I think he lacks confidence in it, but it also needs some, some work and, and that can work. And look at Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid in his second year scored 30 goals, 30 goals flat. He had 30 goals and hundred points flat even and won the MVP. And back then I I'm pretty sure it was at that all-star game where he was doing accuracy shooting. And he made a comment about being uh, not really liking his shot all that much. And how many goals does he have this season and how many games, how many 40 goals? Oh, 11, I think, right? He's got 11 in 10 games. He's, he's the league leader in goals. And, and and there's a guy that went from saying that he didn't like his shot to, to a guy that's had several 40-goal seasons and probably would have had a 50-goal season in 2021 had not it been for that, for the cutoff there. So um, <laughs> you can definitely improve your shot. You absolutely can. There's videos online that any, any, any of the three of us could do it if we really put in the time. So – Kako Kako, that's that's not a lost cause, but work on that, work on your skating, and I, I think you're going to see a very good player come out. Let me go with this comment that's down here that you put from David, which is uh, he's talking about Kane's list being Islanders, Buffalo, Rangers, bust. How many more teams do you really think could be on that list? I mean, I, and Colorado's I, one. I think yeah, I think he I think he would wave for for Colorado. Um, you know, again, this is why I mentioned I think he wanted to wait to the deadline because he wants to see who's where. Because you know, I've heard Calgary mentioned. Depends how much he wants to chase the cup. Does he want to go? You know, live in Western Canada for a little bit while I chase the cup? I don't know, but um, I definitely think Dallas would be on that list. I think L.A. would be on that list, depending on how L.A. is doing. Um, Colorado. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to go? you know, play and in, in live in Florida, Tampa Bay. So I, I think teams like that could be on the list. But I, I, I will say I don't I don't think it's going to be any more than six teams tops on his list. And I, yeah. I, I get with that many teams, yeah, maybe you're not talking huge return. But this is still paying for a name. He's Patrick Kane. Chicago is not taking Patrick Kane for a, a B prospect or you're, you're going you're gonna to give up something that makes you – that makes you say, ouch, you, you just, you just are, he's Patty Kane. I agree. So, so even though the, the list may not be long, I, I still think Chicago is getting a nice little package for Kane for sure. Yeah. I but agree. Look, I'm glad I, I, I wasn't drinking anything when I saw this comment. Yeah. I, that's why I just said, I don't think we'll ever see 70 ever again, but yeah. if anyone can challenge that, Matthews. so yeah, 80 is crazy. Uh, but, yeah. Um, State of survival, uh, I, by the way, is asking uh, first coach fired or have we covered it? We've all said Lindy Ruff before, but now it's got to be Sheldon yeah. Keefe, right? It's got to be Sheldon Keefe, yeah. Anything yeah. now. Wow. Lindy, Lindy, Lindy Ruff with a seven and three start in his first 10 games just got a just got a, a little bit of an extension on that leash. I know. He just got a long extension. I think he actually makes it well into the new year now. If so, oh. even, even if they falter. Anthony. Roman, no, nothing, nothing has ever been, um, 
verified or, or certain for sure. There's just no. there's just been there's just been you know speculation. Um, you know, back in the back in the early summer, I, I was told from a guy that we had on a show that you know he thinks it's you know Rangers, Islanders, Avalanche, and and maybe a couple of other teams in there. Um, but then you heard rumors of the Oilers, whispers of the Oilers and Dallas. So honestly, I, I, I really don't know. Again, uh, I think it comes down to the trade deadline where, where Kane can look and see where these teams are and, and he can make a, he can make a good decision because let's face it. I mean, you come the deadline, the Carolina Hurricanes could look like they're, you know, the top contenders come out of the East, you know, and maybe he agrees to wave to go to Carolina. So we we really don't know for sure, but yeah, you could put the usual spot, the usual suspects up at the top. Mm. I mean, by the way, uh, Pizza and uh, Larson, probably uh, Columbus was Larson, right? Brad Larson. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they would get rid of him right now. He's got young teams. He doesn't have really have a lot to work with. I right. mean, it would be stupid to fire him. If so, I mean, I, I would give him a chance. Then again, you never know with management. So, but I mean, going back to Kane for a second, Ed, like a team like Boston can't really do anything with him. So let's look at some of these other teams that you, you would think of in the contender race, like Pittsburgh. They, they don't have the space to do it. Um, they have Teddy Bluger on LTIR right now. So when he comes back, he has a $2.2 million cap hit for this year but they're going to have to move players around to make that work. So salary would definitely have to go back the other way. Um, if they were trying to get, uh, if they were to try to get Patrick Kane. And then, I don't know, let's take a look at maybe, I, I mean, Colorado is an interesting team to look at. So let, let's see their, their cap situation. They have projected cap space of 3.25 or, or 325 K right now. Deadline cap space, they're projecting 1.42, uh, 1.432 million. So um, I don't even know if Colorado could really even pull that off. They might have to send someone back the other way to make that work too. So um, he's a curious case for a different reason, also. He's already got the three Stanley Cups, he's got a con smite, he's already ticketed for the Hall of Fame. The question is, what what exactly is the next chapter of Patrick Kane's career? That's that's going to be a great question. Yeah, he's he's a first, he's a a, a surefire Hall of Famer. But there's no doubt. It, it, it's it's a it's a matter of whether he retires or not as the top all time American scorer. You know, like you 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 look at he's got. Let's see here. He has just trying to pull up his. All right, so he's oh, got. Yeah, a by the way, Anthony, I, I forgot. I had to give you this trivia question. Uh, with it was a uh, Latin Heritage Month last month. Who was the first Latin player to be drafted in the first round in the NHL? I know this answer already, so I'm not Larry, answering it. Tavares. What? No. Because he has port, he has Portuguese descent. That's why I. I um, there's there's another I, guy that's way before him. I don't know. Scott Gomez. Ah. 1998 first round. From Alaska. Yeah, from Anchorage, <laughs> Alaska. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, Kane has 1,190 points. And Mike Madano, who is the all-time leader, I believe is 1,250? I agree. I, I, I agree with Cor and I smirk about this, but what does Tampa have to give anyone this year? Tampa has nothing at this point. They don't have a first round draft pick the next two years. And they, I think they're both conditionals. So, I mean, uh, they trade the puck away and trade the pick away. They don't have a second round pick. So they're like, Oh, you want a second rounder in 2024? That's something you might be interested in. Okay, well, we'll we'll shift here from a second. Staying with the Blackhawks, though, David asked what I'm actually more interested in. What I think is going to happen with Jonathan Tapes? Um, I really don't care for him. I, I I think he's just he's got eight points in ten games, including six goals, which is he's nice. had a bit of a good start to this season. Yeah, but I mean, he had 37 points in 71 games last year. After it looked like three years ago, uh, four seasons ago, rather, he um, was having a renaissance and had 35 goals and 81 points, which is, is actually his career highs in both in 82 games. So um, I don't trust Jonathan Taves. Um, he might actually be a better target for the Rangers because that would actually help their center depth. And then you could move somebody down. Or maybe move Vinny Trocek to the wing and see what happens. But uh, I, I just don't know how Taze is going to hold up come playoff time. But he is a leader. And that's something that the Rangers, uh, in my opinion, lack. You know what? You named Jacob Truba captain, but I, I don't trust their leadership group. I still don't. I, I think their leadership group is somewhat soft. Um, and I, I, I don't like what they're doing with that. Anthony, going to go for you on this one. What happens with Scott Mayfield? Do the Islanders resign him and let him go? He'll be a five, uh, six, or anything over $3 million is way too much. And that boy is going to get paid 4.5. And that's exactly what I think about him. So dead on right on that one. What do you think they're going to do with Mayfield? I think if they're going to contend and be a playoff team, which hopefully they will be, they're going to keep him. They're not going to move him while they're pushing for the playoffs. But yeah, um, you know, he's been severely underpaid for the last four or five years. So if he reaches unrestricted free agency, um, he's he might price himself out, but they're not going to get rid of him at this point. They're, unless they're, I mean, if the wheels fall off and they're bad, maybe they, they deal him at the deadline. But um, if they're a playoff team, they'll just keep him. And, you know, if they can't afford him, they'll part ways in the summertime. Yeah, uh, there's no way I, I could see them get getting rid of Scott Mayfield right now. One that would be a dumb move. He's he's super reliable, uh, proven himself as a legitimate number four defenseman, in, in my opinion, going forward. Um, he's gonna he's gonna get a lot on the open market in the summer. I don't think he remains an Islander after this year. But there is no way that they are moving somebody like him who uh, who you really want on your team come playoff time, but at the deadline, no way. Especially yeah. if they're in a good position. They're going to think, all right, this is our last run at it. So it's not just going to be losing for nothing because they are going to lose them. There's, there's almost no way to keep them. And they're going to also try to do the right thing and keep them and see if they can win the Stanley Cup with them. Also, by the way, he's uh, for a 5'6 defenseman, he's a pretty damn good one. 
Uh, Mr. Statastic is saying I'm not happy with Halak as our backup. You think we stick with them and explore our options? I just brought this up just to say, yes, I think they are going to stick with them. They are working on some techniques that he's got. And also, my goodness, how bad was She-Hulk, Mr. Statastic? And I got to throw that one out there all the time whenever I can. So, Mark, I'm going to... I gotta, I gotta hop off, but um, I was just trying to find this before I did. Uh, it was an article. It was from the Athletic from October fifth. There was a bunch of just writers made their, made their predictions for you know heart and you know standings, trophies, whatnot. Um, they had one for which team does Kane end up on by the end of the season? Uh, teams that receive the most votes were the Rangers, Oilers, Hurricanes, Blackhawks, Sabers, and Islanders. So those, those were the top six teams. Um, the Rangers were at 30% of the vote. The Oilers were at 12. The Hurricanes and Blackhawks were at 10.3. The Sabres at 7.7, and the Islanders finished it out at 5.1. So those were the those were the six teams that various guys from the Athletic uh, made their predictions on uh, on Kane. So doesn't really necessarily mean anything at the end of the day, but that's just uh, the teams that got the most votes. So he's going to be an interesting trade deadline when that happens. So I can't help but say that, but yeah, we're actually going to take this cue since Anthony's signing off and uh, AEW is starting up right now. So we're going to, we're going to just take the time. We'll sign off. What? AEW is 20 minutes in almost. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, we'll, we'll. Phil. I'm here. All right. Yeah. I'm here. I don't know. I went to a I went to a solo for a second. I was like, "All right, how the hell did that happen?" All right, but uh, no, we'll just sign, we'll sign off for the night so that way we can get in with everything else. Um, hell of a time again. Hell of a time last night. That was great. Uh, and you know, again, seeing the Rangers right the ship. Well, uh, final word with what do you expect tomorrow night? And following up. Three days, what is going on with your microphone right now? I can barely hear that. My mic? Jeez. Now you're good, but it was going like in and out there for a second. All right, that's a little bit weird. That shouldn't have been doing that. Um, might have been because I turned on the music. I don't know. But uh, what do you think? Rangers and then they got Detroit right after that. Uh, Bruins game is going to be tough. Uh, they're, they're a team that nobody wants to play right now because they're getting offense from everybody that you can think of, and they don't even have Charlie McAvoy yet. McAvoy is a guy who gets Norris votes every year. So that's going to be a really tough game. And then uh, Detroit, um, you can go either way with that. You really could. So uh, it's going to be tough games. But, you know, hopefully the Rangers are up to the task. They usually play up to competition. Let's hope they don't play down to it as well. Yeah, and you know I think they need to they need to start the circuit again, and then you can take your pick, Detroit. And I think they got a back to back on Monday. I just forgot who else they got on Monday. Uh, or, no, Tuesday's the Islanders, right? Yeah, I screwed up. I just should have just looked. Yeah, it's Monday. It's Sunday, and then it's Tuesday for the Islanders. They don't get another back to back for another week, so they're fine. All right, but again, everybody, thank you very much for joining us today because it certainly was entertaining and we had a great time doing this. It's awesome. And uh, I'll get this up for the audio podcast right now and can't wait for the next week. So keep spreading the big Apple hockey virus, as Mikey, uh, as uh, Mike NYR for Life always says. Phil? 
Hasta la pasta. Let's go Rangers. Ha, 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 ha.